0: Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be.
1: Good morning. Look at someone and just for those, just show them your teeth. Just show them your teeth. So that everybody knows you have them. And if they fall out, just put them back in. (laughs) Well, I'm so glad you are here this morning. We are going to continue in our series, God's One Thing. And uh, before we do that, though, I just got to come over here and get my clicker. I've loved this series because I've got a lot to learn with these five phrases that say the thing, same thing, one thing, but each phrase teaches us something different. I don't know about you, but how many of you have a lot to learn? Raise your hand. I am in good company. Alright. When anybody asks me that question, I usually raise two hands. <laughs> but that being said, I want you to, uh, let's reminisce a little bit where we've been. Our first message was The one thing was one thing you lack, one thing you lack. And the title was that was to attack your lack. How many have lacks in your life and you know them? In the beginning of the year, you wrote down your New Year's resolutions. How many did that? Now, my question is, how's it going? (laughs) (laughs) So we started with a story of a young rich ruler who came to Jesus and asked the most credible question, how Can I have eternal life? What a question. And the Lord asked him a few questions. And how he treated his brothers and sisters and how he treated the human race, he had it down packed. Did a great job. He had one small problem. And God then said, Jesus then said to him, he said, you've done well, but this is what I want you to do. Go sell what you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. He became very sad. Very sad. Because, see, he loved wealth. And he lacked this one thing. Jesus said, "One thing you lack. One thing." And the question that we had there is, "What is hindering you from being fully, fully? Some say fully, fully developed, fully. Develop, develop, uh, fully um, what's that word again? Uh, fully dependent upon God? Because see, if you have a lack and you focus more on that other thing than God, we have a problem." And our part two, we talked about one thing is necessary. this is a good one. Because we think a lot of things are necessary, but they're not. And we have to ask ourselves, okay, what's more important to do than not to do? Because sometimes we want to do the things we want to do. Huh? Huh? How how many make a list? A list, right? And you have things on the list you don't want to do. You put them at the top because you know they're very important, but you don't want to do them. So you end up doing the ones you like, which are 9, 10, 11. And it makes you feel good because you checked them off, but you haven't touched the things you don't want to do. You know? What's necessary? And we talked about Mary and Martha, who were preparing a a dinner for Jesus and a bunch of guests, and Mary chose to listen and learn. And Mary was full of load and labor, and she gets upset, and she says to Jesus, Jesus, will you tell my sister to help me? And Jesus responds and says, oh, Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen the right thing. You see, what was necessary, Mary chose what was right and necessary for her growth. And it challenges us of what we should do. So we had a question. We had a question here. The question was this. What are the things that rob us from fully giving our time, our talents, our treasures to Jesus for his work and for his word? Because, see, we sometimes are so busy doing the things we want that we're not doing the necessary things. And sometimes we have to say, what's really important today? You get up in the morning, you ask yourself a question. What is one thing I need to do today that's going to be meaningful, not just for me, but maybe for the kingdom? Think about that. So that when you lay your head down, you say, you know, today's been good because, and then you can see what you did, not just for you, but for someone else. What's necessary? The third one was one thing I know, and it's this, knowing the God who heals Because what this man knew is he was blind from birth and had an encounter with Jesus. And no one knew who Jesus was. The religious leaders didn't like him. They didn't believe he was from God. And yet here's this man who was born blind since birth. And now he sees and he says, I don't know who he is. I don't know who he is. But one thing I know. I was blind, but now I see. He had a transformational moment with Jesus Christ that changed him, changed him. God wants to do the same thing with you and I. He wants to have those moments so that you can go through life to say, hey, listen, I don't know about this and I don't know about this. We live in a world today. We have more questions than answers. But one thing I know, Jesus still rules. Hmm? Jesus still reigns. And so there we had a question. What are the things that you know God has done in your life, but but you no longer share them with others? Or, Or what personal experiences that God has done in your life, and because of time, because of pressures, you've kind of forgotten them? You see, God has always given you moments in life and sometimes we forget them and we forget the necessity to remember what God has done and share it with somebody. I want you to think of one thing God has done in your life that you go, wow. Now share it. Take that thought and somewhere along this week, make it a necessary thing to share that one glorious thing that God did in your life. Because God's always working. Amen? So today we're going to go to the next one thing, the next phrase. This is number four, if you're counting. (laughs) And it's about David. And I'm really enjoying this. I really am enjoying it because I went beyond. I don't know about you, but when I study, I study 10,000 things before, not just when I'm studying. David is writing a psalm. He's under great affliction. He's on the great problems. He's surrounded by enemies. His life is being threatened. And today, today, we are going to get to hear the words that reveals the heart. The words that reveal the heart. You ever notice the words you speak reveal the heart that you live with? The words you speak reveal who you are. Your words mean something. When you say, "Yeah, I know God. I know God can," but, Mm? or you say, "I can't do that." Mm? Have you tried? Sometimes the words we say reveals a lot of who we are. And this is David. David's about to reveal something of who he is. And you're going to understand why David was chosen for such a great task. And God wants to do the same thing with you and I to choose. He chose. He chooses you. Look at you and say, he's looking right at you. God, just tell him. God's looking right at you. You know, and sometimes we'll have, well, some will say God's looking right at you and people, you know, will say this under their breath. Yeah, sure he is. (laughs) See, those are your words you're speaking. Those are the words you're speaking. And when you speak those words enough, you start to believe them. And so be careful what you speak because you create your own destiny. Let your words you speak be what God speaks about you. And when you understand that, you will see life in a different perspective. And so David now is communicating this one thing that's most important to David. You want to know what's really important to David? This one thing he says. This one thing. And I want you and I to know that this psalmist, musician, king, he's not a king yet, but this future king that God is calling is a unique man that God says he has the heart just like God. Think of this now. Oh yes, but David made some mistakes. Yeah, I sure did. But isn't it amazing that your mistakes is not the issue? The issue is always the issue of the heart. The difference between a Saul and a David, I met one man, Saul, who would blame everybody else for his own deals, and another man who, when he saw his sin, repented. See, that's the thing we have to realize. We have to start talking about the word repentance. When you mess up, be quick to repent before God. It's very simple. Get your heart lined up with God's heart. So if you're sorry for something you did, your anger, your frustration, you slashed out, whatever the sin, small or great, sin is sin. The consequences is what happens about sin. It's just consequences. But get right with God. And David, when he made mistakes, guess what he did? He was quick to get right with God. He had a love for God that you and I could learn a lot from. He really did. It it amazes me. And I I, I can't share everything today. Um, I have 27 pages of notes this morning. 27. I promise you I'm only going to preach though 26. (laughs) So what's today's question? Today's question is this. If you could ask for one thing from God, what would you ask him? What would you ask God? One thing. And the question is now, the second question, why? Why? So I want you to ponder on this. I don't want to leave this so quickly. If you could ask for one thing from God, what would you ask him? And then answer the question, why would you ask that one question? Out of all the questions you would ask, why would you ask this one question? I think you and I can learn a lot today Because if each of us here wrote on a piece of paper right now and you would say, this is my question, I would ask God. And this is the reason why the papers would come in and I would read them and they would be different. The why's would be different and the questions would be different. You know why? Each one of you are different. And God is working with you in that special way because God knows that you're different and that's okay. Relieve someone next to you and tell them, it's okay to be different. Hey, watch this, watch this. Do this, do this, do this. Ready? It's okay to be you. God, just tell them, hey, it's okay to be you. (laughs) So what I like to do is look at the words of a heart from this man named David. And I first, before we go there, before we go there, before we can answer the question and and see what David, one thing he asked, I want to go to his son Solomon first to see God ask the son of David what he wants, and he asks. Look at this now. In 2 Samuel 12, 24, 25, this says this. Then David confronted his wife, and what this is, let me give you the, just back, the backlash here, is that David and Bathsheba, they get together. Bathsheba was Uriah's wife, but David committed adultery, and 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 kind of, they had this moment, the child that they conceived that day died. And so now it continues, the story continues. And I wrote a real great paper that someone said, you need to publish this. And I haven't published it, but, but it's really about the throne of David. And it's amazing that I believe, I really believe Bathsheba was an incredible godly woman. I have no problem believing that. And I think God did this wonderful act because... Bathsheba was so godly and so was David. And so did you ever notice that here's a relationship that started out of adultery and yet God chose them, the seed of this couple to be the next king of Israel. Pretty impressive, isn't it? Why is that? God always sees the heart, not just the moment or the action. Nevertheless, let's continue. This is where David now comes back into his wife. He has made Bathsheba his wife and he went To her and laid with her, she gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. And the Lord loved him. Watch this now. And because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. We don't call him Jedidiah, but God named him Jedidiah. Solomon means peace. Jedidiah actually means friend of God or another way. There's a couple different ones that they have here, but beloved of the Lord. Jedediah, I want you to understand something. Something's really kind of cool gonna happen. Because right from the very beginning, God has a relationship with this young man. It goes on now in verse six and eight of Chronicles chapter one, Chronicles two, uh, chapter one. Before the Lord in the tent of meetings, and offered a he uh, the king, Solomon, offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. I'm gonna just say, you think that's a tithe? (laughs) A thousand burnt offerings. What does it mean? The greater the sacrifice, the greater the blessing. You see, he was not afraid to love on his God and let it cost him something. And you can see that through scripture in different places. His love was always seen by his actions. Watch what verse 7 says. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Who's asking it? God. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, God. You have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord, give. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father, David, be confirmed. For you have made the king over a people who are numerous as the dust of the earth. Watch his prayer. Watch what he asked for. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for whom is able to govern this great people of yours. Did you hear his request? God says, listen, ask anything. If God asked you right now, if God came down here in bed one day, and you're just praising the Lord, and a voice said, my beloved child, ask me anything, what would you ask him for? Would it be something... To what you wanted or would it be bigger? Would it be kingdom oriented? Isn't it amazing that Solomon was felt overwhelmed? He was overwhelmed with the responsibility and he was more concerned about others than himself. Sounds a little bit like Jesus, doesn't it? Philippians 2. Jesus took on the cross. Why he took on the cross? Because he's more concerned about you and providing a way for you than himself. And so I want you to to understand this. This gets even better now. So God then comes and speaks to him. God hears what he says. And God says to Solomon, since this is your heart desire. Someone say heart desire. You see, where did the heart desire come from? Well, the father who had a heart desire all his life had an influence, yes, on Solomon. And we're talking about the young Solomon. Young Solomon had a real heart for God. And be careful, because if you read the, you look at the whole life of Solomon, it's not how you always start. It's always how you finish. So stay steady. Stay, stay solid. Amen? Amen? So let's continue. So since this is your heart desire, look what it says. And you have not asked for wealth, riches, or honor, nor have death of your enemies. How many out of you want to say, yeah, death of my enemies. <laughs> <laughs> and since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom, And knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king. Therefore, therefore, wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. And I will also give you wealth, riches and honor such as no king who was before you ever had. And none after you will have. Wow. You want to talk about blessing? Solomon was so wise. God blessed him with such wisdom. And it's an incredible life that Solomon had. But God asked him, what do you want? Now, here's David. The text today is David, the Psalm of David. But there's something interesting about the title of Psalms 27, the Psalm of David, because in the Septuagint, the Septuagint is the Old Testament written in Greek. And the title in the Septuagint, I remember translating the Septuagint when I was in school, and I, I, in that process, uh, in the Septuagint, it's interesting because it says Psalm of David, and then it says before he was anointed. Because many people are trying to figure out where does this really take place. Because David was anointed three times in his life. He was anointed by Samuel. He was anointed when he became king over the southern kingdom, Judah. And then he was anointed again when he became king over all Israel, including the northern kingdom. So no one really knows where does that play in? I have my speculation. This is when he was on the run from Saul. But nobody really knows detail. We just know before he's anointed. But which anointing? See, which one? Before he became king of all Israel? Or before that even when he was running for his life? Because we can see that he's running for his life here. And you can see the words of the heart that's revealed. So let's take a journey today. Look at your neighbor and say, stay up and let's go on. Ah, right, you ready? All right. Remember, we got 27 pages. I'm sorry, 26. Just joking. Psalms 27. Let's what read it reads: one through three. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is stronghold of my life, and whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh. When my enemies of my foe attack me, they will stumble and fail. Though the army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in that day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of the tabernacle. And he sent me high and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. And his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy, I will sing and make music to the Lord. Wow. This is a heart of a psalm. Now let's tear this apart a little bit. And I want you to stay with me on this. And I'd like you to take notes on this because there's going to be a lot of stuff that you may want to use at a later date. To understand who God is that the psalmist knew that we need to know as well. Because when we know what the psalmist knows as he's revealing his heart, it's going to change our life when we don't have it cognitively, but when we really have it deep in our heart, when it becomes who we are. So that when things don't go the way we like it, we know God rules and God reigns and I can be at peace. Amen. Amen. So let's look at verse one, part a. The Lord is my shepherd, the light. My light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Almost broke out in Psalms 23. (laughs) The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? I'll tell you what What the psalmist knows. It knows the Lord is our direction and our deliverance. Once you get that. The psalmist knows in his heart for him to declare, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He's really saying, the Lord is my direction and my deliverance. We need to know the same thing. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, the Lord our God is our direction and our deliverance. So watch this now. David is in a very difficult situation, and he says, the Lord is my light. Did you see the pronoun next to light? My light. You see David writing his Psalms always in a personal way. Why is that? Because he had a personal relationship with a God who worked, who moved, and who did great exploits. And because he had so many things that he saw God do, it built his faith in times that were tough. Light reveals. Light shows the path. Light shows a direction of which way to go, how to go. If we took light out of everything... And be in pitch darkness. Has anybody ever been in pitch darkness? Isn't it eerie? I've been in pitch darkness. I've been on a boat in pitch darkness. And when you're on the water and the moon's not shining and it's so dark, it's eerie. I'll tell you something. If God is light, but we remove God, what are we left with? Why would anybody choose that? But David is proclaiming something from his heart, something he knows, and he knows that God is his light and his salvation. Now, I want you to get this again, and he writes this in Psalms 119. The word is the lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. The word here, light, is not just a word that reveals, but the word here in the Hebrew actually says it actually, light joyful, happiness. When you have light and you can see, when the sun comes out in the morning, are you happy? <laughs> yeah. How many of you don't like when it's cloudy and you just say, oh, it's such a lousy, cloudy day. But when you feel better when the light's out, the sun's out. Amen. The word here, light, also indicates that there's a joy that comes. The Lord is my light. It's my joy. It's the light. It's a lamp to my feet. A light to my path. Psalms. Again, David says this in verse 28. The Lord keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. He reveals my way. He shows me the path to take. He gives me deliverance from what I need. You see, that's where salvation comes in. Salvation actually means deliverer, deliverance. Jesus, Joshua, um, the, the word for Jesus is actually deliverer. You see, Jesus came to deliver us. And he's knowing, wait a minute, wait a minute. No matter what I go through, I have a God who will show me the way and he will deliver me from all my problems. But when we find ourselves in a problem, we don't always believe that, do we? We find that the problem seems to encompass everything and we, we get built up because someone's over here doing this and because they're doing this, it's affecting, it's affecting me. And if it's affecting me, then I'm, well, I'm, I feel like just kicking can or just kicking rock down the street you see, but the reality is you have to realize who your God is. The psalmist knew this. So he says, the Lord is my light. He's my salvation. Salvation is a state of being saved or protected from harm. It is a time where you can be protected from a dire situation. Salvation, when you know that you have a deliverer, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You can be at peace. We'll talk about that in a little bit. It goes on to say this in part B of that, the Lord is my light and and my salvation. And it goes this, the Lord is my stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Now let's take this down for a minute because the Lord is your protector and our provider. The psalmist knew that. We need to remind ourselves of these things that the Lord is our protector and our provider. He will protect you and he will provide you. David knew this. He found out these things of the character of God as he went through struggles. And you know, when you go through a struggle, it's so hard, especially if it's an emotional struggle. I think sometimes the hardest thing to go through is the emotional struggles. It's not so much the struggle uh, with physical strength. It's more of the emotional struggles that tug on the emotional heart that affects our thinking and affects our, the way we live. But David says the Lord is a stronghold so if the Lord is a protector, what does stronghold mean? It's a fortified place. Now think of this. Think of this. I share this story with you sometimes, but I used to have a friend who was really big, and when I walked with him, I felt safe. When was the last time you walked with God and felt safe? See, I tell people, don't watch all the scary movies. And they say, why? I can watch the scary movies. I can handle that. <laughs> you know, that's what they tell me all the time. And I said, good, good, good. Next time you're walking down a very scary place and you're all by yourself, tell me how you feel. Because everything that you have seen in your past is locked up into this head. And the first thing that's going to come is all this fear. You're going to think everybody in that alley is about to get you. So I'm going to tell you something. What you put in does come out. So we need to know that God is your protector. God is your stronghold. God is the where you can get safe, a safe place from all harm. Now watch this. David said this in 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock, whom I take refuge. All through David, you see him understanding who God is. I'm telling you, if you could catch this in your life, no matter what the world throws at you, you know who God is, you're not going to be rocked. You're not going to be moved. You're not going to go, oh, no, what's going to happen? I'm in trouble. No, you're not in trouble. You have a stronghold. You have a strong hand. You have a God, almighty God. He's by your side. He's going to pick you up. He's going to give you the strength you need just when you need it. That's your God. That is your God. And we need to know what the psalmist knew. Not on my verse yet, but I'm getting there. I just can't pass this stuff. It's just too good. David is looking at God as a stronghold, and then he says, "Watch this. If I know my God is a stronghold, check this out now. How many know the Superman pose? This is what David does. David does this. Watch this now. I'm going to do it Superman style. The Lord is my stronghold. Whom shall I be afraid? Huh?" I'm telling you, David went through so many times, he has people out to kill him. Kill him. They want to do him in. But he knows the character of his God, and he's trusted him. Let's look on. Number two. When evil men advance against me and and want to devour my flesh, that means, you know, do you in. Then my enemies and my foes attack me. They will stumble and fall. Do you do you hear any doubt in there? Do you hear him say, "Well, you know, uh, possible possible that they may they may fall"? No, no. His confidence. This is something I think is so important for us to learn. His confidence in the Word of God and the trust in the God of relationship is so strong that he proclaims, "They will stumble and fall." Even though an evil man advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, get this, they're attacking him. What does that mean? There's a war going on. There's a fight going on. There's a run going on. There's some major stuff going on because if he doesn't do something, do, like run and just trust God, guess what? He's not going to be living. No, he is under a battle, but he knows one thing. The Lord is my safety. And my security the Lord is my safety and my security when you understand that we have a world today that's changing by the second when you understand there's a lot of things out there that's not going right but I'll tell you what there's still a God who is right and we need to just focus on that because just as there was troubles in the time back in every generation there's always troubles God has been there for his people. So I want you to understand that your God, someone say, my God, is my safety, is my security. How many of you have a blanket that you like to just snuggle up with at night? Come on. How many blanket people are out there? Uh Uh-huh. Come on. Some of you, like, halfway. Well, you got a half blanket or something? I mean, there you go. Yeah, I got a full blanket, man, you know? Yeah, see, your blanket, when you get underneath your blanket and you feel warm, what do you do? You feel safe. You feel, ah. The ah comes from knowing God. God wants to give you that ah feeling when you just trust him. Yeah, you live by faith, not by sight. This is what we're talking about. David's in a real battle here, real battle, but he knows. Listen, they're going to attack me, but they're going to stumble and they're going to fall. Why is that? He knows God's call on his life and know God's going to start it, work it and finish it. Philippians 1.6. What a powerful thing! We need to remind ourselves. Listen to this portion of scripture found in the book of Isaiah. Fear not, for I am with you. Is he or isn't he? You have to. You have to determine this. The psalmist knew his God. Why? Because he had a relationship with God that he continued to lean on God. And when things do blue, blue, <laughs> when things blow and, and storms come, they know who he, they knew who God was. For fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Someone say amen. Amen. You have a righteous right hand. The psalmist knew it. He's now you know it, you need to apply it. You need to stop looking at what you're living and how you're living, and you have to look higher. And it's hard. I'm not saying this is easy. This is hard. Could you imagine when David was running? There was times or there was times if you read about the life of David, and Saul was chasing him and David was running, and they could David could not outrun them at one point. And then God intervened and caused Saul to go back because of a because of an enemy. That's because you have a God of safety and security. You do your best. He will do the rest. Second Timothy, look at this one here. Second Timothy reminds us again: the Lord will rescue me. Oh, no, no, no. He's going to rescue him. They're better than me, and I don't think he's going to show up for me. Why do you think that way? Why do you allow the devil to make you to to, to make you believe that way? But what 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 has God shown you already that you just can't see? What scriptures say is a scripture right or is it wrong? Yeah, we know it's right. So where is the wrong? The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safety into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and amen. I added a few evers. (laughs) But that's your God. You see, sometimes we don't really recognize that when we're going through a really difficult time and we feel the pressure and it hurts and, and, and we just have more questions, this is the moment, this is the moment where you change your mind frame and you start focusing on what God's word says, not what you're saying. This is where we mess up. We mess up because we think our word's greater than God's word. We think our way is better than God's way. But when you do it God's way, it's not easy, but you have to keep pushing. Pray until something happens. Amen? Yeah. Look at verse three. I'm getting there to verse four. <laughs> this is just good stuff, man. I would get so excited when I put this together. I was like, God, this is good stuff. These are like, these are like steps or or ways of thinking or ways to live and the ways we know God, and if we can apply these things, boy, boy, we're going to live differently. Verse 3, though an army besiege me, get this one, <laughs> my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even, when, even then will I be confident. Oh, my word. The Lord is our peace under pressure. Huh? Man, got to get this, got to get this. This is good. Because when you're under pressure, and some of you know what I'm talking about. Look what it says. My heart, here goes the Superman, here goes. My heart will not fear. You see this? This is relationship with God. If you want to be able, if you want to be able to have this mindset, you're going to need to be in a daily prayer room. You're going to need to be communicating with God on a daily basis. You need to invite God into every situation. You need to really walk with God, talk with God, and listen. Remember, we have to listen to what he has to say. It can't just be a one-way relationship. But this is where David lived his life. Remember, it started out when he's in the field. Nobody knew his name. They don't even want to call him to the dinner. Oh, him? We don't need him. Let him be out there with the sheep. See? What was he doing out there? Relationship. When you spend time alone and there's no one else to talk to, you're either going to talk to the sheep or talk to God. I tend to believe both happened. I, I believe both happened, and I believe he also talked to God a lot. Psalms, the Psalms are songs, and these songs that are written, and they're so poetic at that, is to communicate a real deep message. The Lord is your peace under pressure. You need to really understand that. Do you know the one main reason that believers fight with is the area of fear? Fear, fear of the unknown, fear of loss, fear, 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 fear. And if you notice, David, how many times he mentions the word phobia, fear. There are so many fears. There's fear of fear. There's so many. How many times in scripture God says, do not fear? See, David is put in situations that are so difficult, so hard, people are out to kill him. Can someone spell kill, K-I-L-L? That means like done. I know we've had some problems around us, but so many times uh, we've, I don't know, I just don't know if we got the right perspective on things. I'll share that in a bit. Because he is not fearing, he is trusting and what I mean by that, let's think Daniel. I like Daniel a lot. Daniel is the man. So let's think about Daniel. And here is a godly man who's meeting with God three times a day. And we'll, we'll just take a moment of his life. And he's praying. He's, God's blessing him. He's been through a mess. Now God has blessed. And now he's in a different point in his life. And now there's people getting jealous of him. So they make a law that you can't pray to God. And if you do, you're going to be thrown in the lion's den. The lion's den, where there's hungry, hungry lions, big teeth, make a lot of noise, very scary. And so, Daniel hears the decree, and what does Daniel do? Oh, no, I'm not going to pray anymore because, well, I can't, because there's an edict, and I don't want to become food for a lion. So you know what? I'm not going to pray. Is that what it says? Oh, but we love that Daniel said, uh uh-uh, uh, can't touch this. Uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh, uh, uh. Uh-uh. We like that part. We like that part where all of a sudden there's the window and he's praying right in front of the window and he's praying to God. Oh, yeah, but he got arrested. Yes, he did. He was willing to get arrested and go into the hungry, hungry pit if God so chose. Meaning this, he had conviction that he wasn't going to be praying to a human being or asking anybody because he had a relationship that was greater upward. And because he had a relationship greater upward, he was not going to allow the horizontal to dictate what he's going to do upward because God is more important than anything else. And when we love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and we really live it that way, we say, God, I really want to know you. I really want to please you in every area. God, will you help me be the best me? That's a good prayer. So David says, you know, I'm going to pray. He gets arrested. And there is a big hungry lions. And yes, they threw him in. (gasps) And we think it's the end of the story. But what does God do? God says, "Uh, you, Mr. Lion, you're going to be a nice pillow for my servant, Daniel. So be quiet, close your mouth and fall asleep. The king can't sleep. David slept well. And he comes out of there doing great. And today, today, you and I, we roar about the victory of God. We roar because of the power of God. We roar because God showed up. But when we find ourselves a little test in our life, when we find little situations that come our way, oh, we feel like the little bear. (laughs) Where is the victorious servants of God who can rise up, believe God for the miraculous? Where are the people that are willing to spend time in prayer, knowing God? The psalmist today sh- show us so much to learn. But we have to glean it, receive it, and then do it so that God may be glorified. You'll never get to hear or see the testimonies of God of what God can do in your life unless you're willing to take some steps of faith. It ain't gonna happen. It's just not gonna happen. God wants us to move first. We need to trust them. If you want to see God do some great things, guess what? You have to sometimes go through the trials. You have to go through the winds. You have to go through the mess. And then you see God show up and then show off. You see, I don't know if you got this or not, but we can talk about so many. We can talk about his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We love these victorious stories. But remember, these are all biblical truth because someone stood Against the pressure. Why? Because they knew that no matter what happens, they had peace under the pressure because they knew where their peace came from. Remember what Shadrach, Meshach, and Menegole said to the king? Our God's able to take us from your hand. But you know what? Even if he doesn't, we're still not going to pray to this image. Amen. So I want you to understand, this is what the walking by faith is all about. This is what it all is. Isaiah 43.1, don't fear. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Psalms 34, 4, one of my favorite chapters. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Or how about Philippians 4, 6 and 7? Do not be anxious about anything, but with everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and watch what happens. The answer comes. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Jesus Christ. You see, there is peace and safety. There is peace under pressure. There is peace in the midst of the problem. But we have to walk it and let God do something. So far, we've learned this, that the Lord is our direction and our deliverance. We learned this from the psalmist. Who lived it? We learned that the Lord is our protector and our provider. He is our safety and our security. He is a peace under pressure. And we come down now to the words that reveal the heart. But it's not just found in the request, it's found in all three verses. Matter of fact, all six verses that we have. It's David revealing his heart, his belief. Who he was. It's sort of like when he said it in Psalms 23. Though, uh, though, uh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, doubt. I shall fear no evil for thou art with me. That's a description of a tough place. A place that is uncertain. And I don't know about you. But we need to know that God is, has certainly has a plan for you. Just say it. God has a plan for me. You know sometimes we don't believe it. All of us don't believe it at times, and we have to remind ourselves who we are. So let's look at this. David then says this, after saying all that he said in the first three verses. He says, one thing, have I asked the Lord? What this means is, this is really important to David. David, most likely, he is separated from the acts of worship. He is separated from uh, the feeling of being around in the presence of God with people of worship, because he's most likely fleeing. And he says, one thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after. What does seek after mean? That word seek is not just hide and seek. You know, oh, I found you. No, no. This seek is like, I, 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 said, I said, how could I describe this intensity of seeking? And I thought, okay, for some of you adults, you just lost your car keys and your home keys. Huh? You don't know who they are. How, how hard do you seek? And for you teenagers, you just lost your phone. You know what I mean? Oh, my phone is gone. Life is at an end. And so they will clean their room. (laughs) They will seek it with all their heart. This is the intensity that David is praying before the Lord. This is the seek he's talking about. I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David's desire and his destination is at the heart. David's desire is for the Lord and his destination is the presence of God. I mean, think about this. Think about this. Can we make a prayer that we spend our day, our destination is to draw closer to God Make God our first love and our destination is to be in the presence of God as much as possible. You know, sometimes, though, people don't want to be in the presence of God. They say so, but they really don't. You know, I was, um, I remember I was in church one day. I was in a big church and uh, the spirit of God just moved. And I so much want the freshness of God's spirit to move again. And that will happen with we continue to pray and continue to fast as we do. I I am believing that. I really do. That being said, I was in a a very large church and the presence of God was thick. It was beautiful. It was so rich. And God was doing so many things. And the pastor decided to just close it and let people decide what they're going to do. And it's like a faucet. It was like a switch. People just got up and there was like a stampede to the exit building. I'm in the presence of the Lord. I'm lost in the presence of the Lord. This presence of the Lord is all over me. I, I am embraced. I don't want to leave the moment. I've been in times where I don't want to leave the moment. And God spoke to my heart and said, listen to my people fleeing my presence. I, w- I try not to. <laughs> right there broke me because it was so loud of hearing all these people rushing out of the presence of God what to go to eat to go nowhere to go to a chair just to go home when almighty God and everybody knew the presence was in the house God was doing something but as soon as the release came people just said okay and they turned it off like a switch When you're in the presence of God, don't leave that presence until it's done because God's always working and he works a little different in the area of time. You see, he says this, this is what I seek after. So we must seek hard like we lost something. We want God. We're not going to stop until we can really get a greater understanding and just really get a hold of what God's trying to say, what God's trying to do. It's really spending time in the presence of God where you don't let anything else be a distraction. so important. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David wished he could live in the tabernacle, surrounding himself every day in the presence of God. He's longing for to be at that physical place where the presence of God is. You and I are blessed. Because we can carry the Spirit of God wherever we go. But in the Old Testament, it was a little bit different. But it wasn't. But it was. I want you to understand something. Church is important. I want you to understand something. Gathering together is important. God created the church, bodies, people with gifts, and gifts coming to the body so the body does greater works. That is what it's all about. What do you hear, Dave? Dave, I'm on first name basis with him now. <laughs> me and Dave. <laughs> I got to heaven. Hey, Dave. <laughs> What do you hear David saying? You're hearing David say, I love my God and I want to be with him. You know, there's a portion of scripture that says this in Hebrews 10, 23 and 25. I want you to just digest this a little bit. Let us hold unswervingly, okay? This is really, if you did a word study, all these strength words here are just powerful. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For we who who promise is faithful. For he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. This is about the importance of gathering together. This is about the importance of Of strengthening each other. But how can you strengthen someone if you're not with them? Anybody, can you answer that one? Those that believe, well, I just can stay by bedside assembly with sister pillow and brother sheets. And just be, we can be kambaya together. No, that's not how the the church works. We need each other. We really do need each other. Everybody needs somebody. I'll break out in song. Everybody. No. Uh, We do. That's why God created the church. The body, the body of believers. And David says, I want to gaze upon his beauty of the Lord, his love, his love. He could think of no occupation, no other place to fill his mind and his heart for the goodness and the greatness of God. He just wanted to f- fill up. We go to our gas stations, we fill our tank. We got to do the same thing in the Lord. We got to fill up to seek his temple, to seek him, to consult in matters of life. To get wisdom through your problems. Sometimes people have problems. Do you take it to God? Do you ask him? That's what David's talking about. To inquire of the Lord. Getting wisdom for our steps. Getting wisdom for our insight. Getting insight for the, for the where we're feeling. And God, I need a little help here. God, you know, share it. Talk to the Lord. Because see, if you could ask for one thing from God, what would it be? And why? Look at Solomon's request. Look at David's request. There's two requests. One is for people and one is for God. And I think when you bring both of those together, you get a good reason why Jesus Christ did in chapter 2 of Philippians. To not only esteem your own things, but esteem others higher than yourself. So I don't know about you, but we can learn a lot. Let's let's learn this from verse 5. And in the day of trouble, get that? Jesus says, you shall have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, right? Look at it says, for in the day of trouble. So if there's a day of trouble, what does that mean? Trouble is going to come. Sometimes when trouble comes, we think, oh, no, what's wrong? What did I do? Blah, blah, blah. You live in a faulty world. There's going to be trouble. But in the time of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle. He will set me high upon a rock. Why is that? The psalmist knew, we need to know the Lord is our comfort and our confidence. What is Philippians 1, 6 says, Be confident of this very thing that he which begun a good work and you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Confident. What is that again? Here it goes. It's confidence. Ready? Hmm? (laughs) I'm going to go watch a Superman movie tonight, I think. (laughs) You see, in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe. But we we don't believe that. We don't believe that. We'll believe anybody else that says anything else, even if we don't even know him. But we won't believe what God says. Look at verse 6. When my head, listen, then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. He has himself already there. I will sing and make music to the Lord. The psalmist knows something we need to know. The Lord is powerful and praiseworthy. He's powerful and praiseworthy. I don't care what problem you have in your life. I don't care what situation you have. David said in Psalms 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continue to be in my mouth. That is, that is so powerful. Did you see the psalmist, he's writing songs that reveal the heart. The songs, the words he's saying reveals what's inside. So let me ask you a question. What is the words you speak? What words are you speaking? Are they words of life? Are they words that come from the confidence of knowing who God says he's going to do? Uh, the confidence of what he said already? Or are you just speaking your words of what you think. What's more important now? Let's clarify this. What's more important? Because you and I need to recognize David, David, one thing he asked and he wanted to be in the presence of the Lord. He wanted the Lord. He wanted to to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to inquire of the Lord. Is that not our request as well to be in his presence, to go inquire of the Lord so that he may speak and his presence would fill our lives. And he would help us as we walk day by day, step by step, one moment at a time. Someone say one moment. moment. You know why we walk one moment at a time? Because sometimes when we look at the whole day, the whole day could be too much. So what do you do? You walk by faith one moment at a time. Because God has your hand in his hand. Open your hand for a minute. Just open your hand. Open your hand. See how small your hand is? Small hand. I, I want you to do this. How many have ever took a flashlight and then you put your hand over a flashlight? How many have ever done this? Come on. No. Oh, thank you. I thought I was the only person in the room. All right. You, if you haven't done it, you got to check this out. Put a flashlight like this and then put your hand like this in a dark room. And you think like this big giant hand is coming to get you. <laughs> scare any kid or any kid. Um, God's big hand. <laughs> God's big hand wants to just grab yours and say, come, child, come. Walk with me. Let me wa- Let's walk together. Listen to this. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 to 13. And now, O Israel... What does the Lord, your God, ask of you but to fear the Lord, your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for all your own good. This is relationship from the beginning until now. You see, if you're going to ask of the Lord, God also has a requirement for you too. It's a two-way street here. People say, well, I want God to do this. I want God to do this. Oh, okay, okay. Ask of the Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. But God has a requirement for you too. Before God gave the question to Solomon, Solomon was doing the Lord's requirement. Remember, God spoke to him. He was, he was sacrificing a thousand sheep, animals, sacrifices, now, listen, that was a large sacrifice that he was doing. I want you to also understand this, too, is that David, David did the same thing. David was always doing the same thing. So it comes down, when you're doing your part, God will do his part. The two should come together. That's the beauty of relationship. It's not a one-way relationship. How many want a one-way relationship on earth where it's all you and not the other person? Does that, is that fun? Is that fun? No, that's not fun. But how about if it's two people who really give 100%. I remember a long time ago, um, we were counseling one day, and, uh, and, the, and the person said to me, well, you know, the, real, the, the philosophy is she gives 50 and I give 50, and together it's 100%. I said, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Who told you that? That's what I've heard. You heard it wrong. It's you, she gives 100%, and you give 100%, and that's how it works. You see? Is everybody giving their part. God has a part for you to do as he desires to do something for you. You have to do your part. Let me close with this last scripture. And you know this one well. It's found in Matthew chapter 7. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For, for, for everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds And to him who knocks, the door will be open. That's a promise. That's a promise that God has for us. The problem is, are we seeking? Are we knocking? Everybody's looking at the door. Who's coming in? Anybody coming in? That's what's most important for you and I. The Bible talks about relationship, your relationship with God. And God wants a relationship every single day. Let me share this with you. I think this is important. If our relationship is going to grow, it takes time. So how much time are you giving it? Stand to your feet with me. If you're watching my online, you're here today. The number one thing is where are we going to spend eternity? Salvation. Have we committed ourselves to God? 100% have we made Jesus Christ the lover of our soul? Have we yielded ourselves to Jesus Christ? That's the bottom line. It's God can't be over here and I'm over here. No, God wants to be right in here. And we need to make God first in our heart and life. And it's very simple. Say, Jesus, I've sinned. Has Anybody ever done anything wrong? Huh? Yeah. We're sinners that are saved by his wonderful grace, his atonement on the cross. And so he makes us new creations. He changes our hearts. He changes our minds, which is our heart. He changes our mind. And all of a sudden we live differently. We think differently. And we keep growing in the sanctification process. God wants to do that to you. You just have to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I am sorry. Forgive me. I need it. Sorry. I ask you to forgive me for me doing things I want to do. I need you in my life. I believe you died on the cross. You rose on the third gate. And today, today, I want to make you, God, my Savior, my Lord. I surrender. Someone say surrender. surrender. Just say, I surrender. I surrender. Man, what is it in our life that we need to surrender? What is it that we need to get our hands off and give it to God? And say, you know what, God? I'm not, it's yours. I surrender. I surrender. And let God be God. In us and through us. Let me pray for you. If you have a need upon your heart, you just or you want the Lord, you want to be closer to the Lord, you have a desire for his presence, for you to have a desire to grow in the Lord, just raise your hand before the Lord. Those that watch and you have a desire to know God, you have a desire to make him your savior, just raise your hand. Father, I just ask right now in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would touch each hand that's raised, touch each person represented here with that hand. I pray, Lord, that you know the very need they have for those that are saying, God, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for my things that I've done wrong against you. And I, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my best friend. I want you to be my Lord and God. Today, I surrender my life. And for those that raise their hand they say, God, I so much want to draw closer to you. I so much want to hear your voice You're a living God. You're a speaking God. You're a delivering God. You're a God of safety and security and strength. You're a communicating God. Father, we just pray right now that you would draw our hearts ever so close that we would continue to hear of your ways, of your works in our life, God, and we can give you praise. Give us ears to hear, Father. Give us ears to hear and our hearts to understand all that you want to do. Let us really push in. Let us really push in in the times of fasting, the times of prayer on our daily basis, God. As we want to really build that relationship. I want you to be my best friend. Just say that. God, I want you to be my best friend. I want you to be my best friend. Lord, I want to make you the very center of my life, the very center of my thoughts. And Lord, I really want to hear what you want me to do, how you want me to do it. I really want to not hear my ways. I want to hear your voice, God. I want to know you, God, as I spend that time in prayer and in your word and in fasting. And God, I pray right now, right now, God, will you just speak to our hearts? Will you just do a work? Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. God is good. God is great. He really is.
0: Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.